your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future episodes or catch up on previous episodes you may have already missed, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is always free, and make sure you never miss another beat. On tonight's episode, we are going to be discussing a wild and wooly win against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a 4-3 victory for the Winnipeg Jets. A crazy game all around. I feel like a lot of you will have questions as to how Winnipeg has pulled this off. So let's take a look at each period and think about these games in phases, because I feel like this Jets game had a couple of distinct periods um, that weren't just determined by the, the timestamps. I feel like the first period for the Jets was probably their most even, relatively speaking. Overall, this first 20 minutes between both teams was pretty exploratory, but I will say that Toronto, it felt like, got a few more slot chances. Winnipeg was able to generate um, a decent amount of zone possession time, and some of their skaters would get into some decently dangerous areas, but the biggest problem was that for as much uh, zone time as the Jets actually got, they just didn't really take many great shots. The trouble when you have a lot of offensive zone possession but you don't actually create with it is that when you have a team like Toronto, as soon as they hit you on a counter and they start setting up their cycle and a lot of their end zone passing, you can start to concede goals pretty quickly and I feel like the Jets were in danger of experiencing this at multiple times, but thankfully, you know, Connor Hellebuck looked pretty decent to start. He didn't face many early shots. So in that respect, the first period was a little bit on the quieter side, but unfortunately the Jets still ended up conceding first. As we all know by now, you know, both Nathan Beaulieu and Kyle Connor are not exactly great defensively. In fact, both of them are are huge defensive black holes whenever they're on the ice, and it gets magnified when they're both on the ice at the same time together. There was some sort of a uh, a rush through the neutral zone by Zach Hyman that I don't really know what Nathan Beaulieu was doing unless he was trying to seal this puck along the opposing blue line for Toronto and and create an offensive zone possession, but he ended up kind of skating across through the neutral zone, and I don't really know what he was thinking because he was way too far to actually keep the puck inside the offensive zone, and there wasn't really any puck support. Bolu zips across the neutral zone, uh, essentially abandons his assignment, and then actually takes himself out along the boards, letting Hyman walk right past him. And then Kyle Connor is already through the neutral zone and into his own defensive zone, and Hyman's cutting on his inside, which, you know, technically this assignment's probably not supposed to be Connor's, but Kyle actually has to make a play here. If you're going to see a dangerous rush here, you can't be the last man back just watching the guy skate by you, which is kind of what Connor did here. I don't know if Kyle was expecting somebody else to take the man or if somebody called out that, that assignment, but Kyle just sort of watched him go by and sort of lazily drifted around in the slot, which is kind of an issue if you're just watching Hyman walk in on Hellebuck alone. You know, Hyman may not be like a premier goal scorer, but he actually had a really good finish here, this one off of a backhand shot. 
And it's sort of mind-boggling to watch this whole sequence because you feel like it was entirely avoidable from Winnipeg's perspective. You know, the Jets are a pretty strong team at times, but there are these sequences defensively where, you know, at least one or two guys suddenly overcommits or makes just a really baffling decision. And here you get two baffling decisions consecutively, and now the Jets are suddenly down one nothing in the game, which is really frustrating because it did feel like it was a situation where if, you know, Bowie doesn't pull himself out of the play and Connor actually backchecks just a little bit, you could avoid that. The Jets also had some power plays, but unfortunately really couldn't get much set up, and when they did, it was actually hard to find a good shooting route to the net, and I feel like on numerous instances, the power play just wasn't really great. Kyle Connor had some issues handling the puck, it felt like Morrissey did as well, and as you might expect, after you get some early power plays, the Maple Leafs will have to get one somewhere, and of course, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs did actually draw a penalty, and then promptly scored on it from a deflected tip. I believe this one was credited to Matthews, and it was a pretty nice deflection on the interior of, I don't know who it was uh, who was marking him, it might, might have been Tucker Pullman. And like, if you're man marking Austin Matthews and you're Pullman, I do understand getting beat, it's not super shocking, but I feel like by the same token, you also have to be a little bit more aware and try and seal off that angle before, uh, you know, Matthews gets anywhere near, especially in that slot area where the Jets have suddenly had issues with a lot of tip deflections going into the back of the net. Over the past couple of games, it seems like teams are looking for more point shots to tip in front of Hellebuck, which is super frustrating because it feels like the Jets' D just don't clear the crease, and they also allow too many free sticks. If this is actually a tactical adjustment from Winnipeg's opponents, they need to shut it down immediately because it definitely can't continue. The Jets have to be really careful. We all know that their penalty kill really struggles with a lot of chaos, and obviously a, a high tip of some sort does create those movements down low that give the Jets a lot of fits. Thankfully, the Jets did recover one nice little power play marker courtesy of Andrew Kopp. He, uh, he had a goal in between the Hyman and Matthews goals, and Andrew's tip was actually kind of surprising. Pionk wristed one from the point, and Kopp actually had a lot of involvement on this particular goal because multiple times he was able to keep it either below the goal line or try to feed it out to the, to the point or one of his outlets along the right flank. The right flank meaning from like the behind the net view, it was actually the left wing side on the, uh, the Jets power play. So all in all, a really persistent effort from Kopp. I feel like he's one of those guys who has a very industrious engine. And even though he got knocked down and essentially had to make a play on his knees... His persistence on the puck and the ability to get it out to his uh, teammates and keep that zone possession alive was the entire reason he was actually able to score the goal himself. The tip was pretty nice, and I'm sure that Leafs fans will probably want Anderson to do better, but uh, apparently, you know, scoring from tip deflected shots is the new thing, so I suppose we will certainly take it, but I did see a couple of uh, signs of things the Jets needed to improve upon in the second period. For one thing, their slot penetration was almost non-existent. And, you know, against Toronto, you can absolutely hit them in that low area, especially if you hit them off of rush chances. To be honest, I feel like Toronto doesn't handle a lot of zone pressure all that well, and they often don't have the defensive structure to handle really speedy counters. Disrupt their defensive unit doing that, and I feel like you actually create a lot more offensive opportunities and looks towards the net. I also really wanted better from Beaulieu and Connor both. I feel like Connor just doesn't really support his linemates enough, especially with Dubois and Ehlers. They would often be contesting the puck down low along the walls, and Connor was just sort of out there somewhere doing stuff, even if he wasn't really in a good position to either serve as an outlet or support his teammates as, like, a physical presence. It's technically not his job, but he still has to do better. It's one of those situations where you need to read and assess and make the right decision. 
asking for improvement from Bolu is kind of a losing cause, and I feel like we all sort of know what his situation is. He is the Jets' worst defender. He really struggles with almost everything. Winnipeg just kind of needs to sideline him for a bit and, and find an alternative in somebody like either Logan Stanley or Sami Niku. Unfortunately for Bolu, his night was uh, actually short-lived, and we'll talk a little bit about that and the impact it may have had on the game in just a moment. Before then, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why rockauto.com should be your one-stop shop for all your auto part needs. If you're like most folks, buying auto parts is always a bit of a pain in a trial, partly because it might take you a little bit to figure out what you're looking for, and even if you know the parts you need, you might not know the best prices to be paying. If you're tired of running around in circles and want to take out all of the guesswork, look no further than rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle and set a price range filter so you always get the parts you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com is sure to have what you need in stock and at the best prices available. You could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else when RockAuto.com has exactly what you need at the best prices possible? When you place your order, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are currently in the midst of recapping the Winnipeg Jets game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which, as I said earlier in the episode, was a 4-3 victory, but it was a little bit hairier than you might expect. Before we talk about the last two periods of the game and some startling developments throughout the entire proceeding, I did want to tell you a little bit about why Locked on Bets should be in your starting podcast rotation. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your favorite shows. And now to talk about a second period for the Jets where I feel like Toronto started to dictate the terms. Out of the gate, it just seemed like the Jets that had the jump in the first period, the team that was playing fairly evenly with Toronto, really didn't show up. It's kind of funny because it's usually the inverse where the Jets have a really slow start and then start to warm up as the game continues to wear on. In this case, the Jets came out of the second period intermission just looking very slow. Toronto is kind of a funny team because, you know, last year and in previous seasons, they've probably had more collective team speed, and I feel like the Jets would traditionally really struggle with that. In this case, the, uh, the Leafs are a little bit slower, but that doesn't mean that they can't really hurt you on these fast counters or this end-zone puck movement, and I really feel like the Jets have often struggled with all of these situations, and it's especially noticeable against a team like Toronto that can hit you with a lot of lateral crossing passes, really deceptive looks, wraparounds. I mean, Toronto's just very good at finding a lot of different shooting angles that all come from really dangerous areas. Somehow, though, Hellebuck really stuck with it, and after that first period where he was probably upset with the goals against, he stood really tall, and I felt like this was a big response period where, you know, despite the Jets getting outplayed by a fair margin, they always had a chance to stay in it. And thankfully, you know, Josh Morrissey ended up scoring. This one was a really funny goal, his first of the season, and you could tell that it really meant a lot to him because of how much pressure he's been under, and, and unfortunately, I think a lot of that has, you know, on, on top of him really struggling on the ice, probably has hurt his psyche a bit. And this goal really couldn't have come at a better time. It was very important for the team because it was a game-tying goal. And certainly for Morrissey personally, I think it just was a big pressure off of his shoulders. He just seemed to let a seeing-eye wrister go from the point, and for some reason, Austin Matthews like kicked his, his skate up and tried to deflect it away for some reason, and actually struck the puck at just the right angle to put it right over Anderson's shoulder. And it's one of those freak deflections where I feel like the 
the player who takes responsibility for this kind of sits there and thinks to himself, I should have just let it go. And frankly, that, that wrister really didn't have much of a shot of going in. I think if Anderson saw this one all the way, it had no chance of deflecting past him. Matthews, though, I guess is a shooter and shooters shoot, so if you, uh, if you have the chance to deflect it on net, even if it's in your own goal, I, I feel like he takes it anyways, so maybe that's the whole theory, I don't know. Either way, we certainly take these own goal situations regardless of whether or not, you know, it's intentional from the opposing team. Certainly never intentional, but of course, in a situation like this, the Jets just really needed a lifeline, and thankfully they got yet another lifeline later in the period when Nikolai Ehlers was working with Kyle Connor off of a nice little turnover shift. I feel like there was a bad situation on a line change here from Toronto. I don't really know what happened, but the puck got countered, the guys were changing for the Leafs, and there was like a really slow change in the neutral zone, and Ehlers just seemed to recognize the situation perfectly and drove down the right flank and then get gets behind the net and sort of waits out the opposing team. You know, all of Toronto's skaters are sort of crowding around the crease, but there's like a little bit of a gap. And you wouldn't believe where the gap was, but it was between the uh, the goaltender's stick and essentially his left pad. Somehow, Ehlers sees Kyle Connor just sitting there in the slot and threads the space right between the stick blade and the pad to find Connor who just taps it home. Look, I'm going to be honest, this is an absolutely world-class assist and one of the best passes you'll ever see from a player, uh, regardless of any level of hockey that you're watching. To somehow thread a needle that that finely right through an extremely small gap in space is just remarkable, and I feel like Ehlers was actually starting to lean into it. I don't even know how he pulled this one off or even saw it, but it's really good that Connor tapped this one home because, to be honest, Kyle was just a really bad player on the ice tonight. I felt like he was probably one of the worst skaters, especially on the top lines. And even though Stastny had a night he probably wants to forget after fumbling a couple of shots and opportunities that might have been goal-scoring chances, you know, Connor unfortunately let the one guy, Zach Hyman, walk in, and then defensively, he's just all over the place. He sort of drifts around in the defensive zone, not really marking anyone and just sort of covering space without actually covering it. And then when he's in the offensive zone, it's hard to tell where exactly he's supposed to be. I don't feel that he gives enough support to his line mates, and that's kind of a recurring issue with him over the past couple of weeks. I feel like it's gotten worse. And it's super unfortunate because I feel like he has all the tool sets to be a really gifted player and a really great playmaker, but he's just not. It is what it is, though, and it's probably not going to change anytime soon, so we just have to sort of live with and accept it to a degree. As far as the rest of the second period goes, there was only one other really notable outcome, and that was, uh, unfortunately, Nate Beaulieu got injured. He took a shot off of his wrist and had to go down the tunnel and did not return for the rest of the night. And if his injury is for any length of time, I would imagine that Logan Stanley or Sami Niku draws back in, which I hate to say this, but it does improve the team. You you know, we all have seen Nate Bolu really struggle out there, and I would much rather have seen him being press-boxed earlier and not out due to injury, but that's kind of the situation the Jets are probably looking at, at least for now. If he fractured his wrist or something, I would imagine that uh, at least one of the younger players will get a look, which should be a help for the Jets. In just a moment, we'll talk about what exactly the bowl you Jets were able to do in the third period. But before then, you need to know about why BetOnline.ag is the best online betting site you can find. When it comes to the wild west of online betting, it's really hard to find sites you can trust, that are reliable, that have all your favorite sports, and that are actually straightforward to use. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. 
If you're not a sports fan but still want to get in on the action, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to cast a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline even has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need so you'll always make the most informed bets possible. Getting started is super easy. Just register for a free account at betonline.ag or use your mobile device, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKDOWN to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this closing segment of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out our thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, We've talked about the first couple of periods, and the third period, I'm going to be honest, was a bit of a horror show. Down to 5D men, the Jets kind of had some issues clearing the zone and actually just doing much of anything. Toronto's aggressive press and in-zone pressure really hemmed the Jets in for the entire period, and the Leafs basically obliterated Winnipeg's defensive structure, especially in front of Hellebuck. I saw Hellebuck on his butt so many times having to make incredible acrobatic saves that would frankly make Dominic Hasek very proud. This is honestly one of the most insane goaltending performances you'll ever see, and I would say that as far as like a Jets game is concerned, maybe top 10, most likely top 5 for Hellebuck's career. The guy was absolutely cracked out of his mind and seriously goalied the Leafs. I feel like this is an absolutely dominant performance from Toronto. They had an expected goals of something like 4.9 on the night. And like, they were good in the first couple of periods, right? But then this third period hit and Toronto basically just ran the entire game from the from the, like the third period on. That last 20 minutes, all the Leafs, somehow the Jets escaped with two full points. Adding insult to injury was Mason Appleton scoring the fourth goal of the Jets for the night. This one off of an excellent counter rush, one of Winnipeg's only offensive chances the entire period. He went from the left side, I believe, outside, inside, cut in towards the net, fell down, but still ended up having the wherewithal to score on Anderson as he was going down. He's starting to show this as one of his signature moves when he dives towards the net. It's something that I've noticed him doing a couple of times on some of his recent goals, very much similar to the way that Dubois approaches it, but Dubois actually stays on his feet most times. And Appleton has more of a habit of just tucking the puck around one of the uh, one of the far pads or whatever. So I've, I'm very impressed with the way that he continues to drive towards the net. He's a very efficient, direct kind of player, but somebody who actually has the hand-eye coordination and the offensive skill to make those plays in very difficult situations. I I feel like he deserves a top six look. I wouldn't mind moving Connor down to the third line, which I know is never happening. It's just not one of those things that I see Maurice trying because, you know, Connor is your $7.5 million star scoring winger. But to be honest, Connor's just not really working with Dubois and Ehlers. Connor Stastny Ehlers does work, but I feel like with Stastny doing so well with Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley, it'd be silly to break that lineup. So if you have uh, some of these kids who can play up in the lineup, especially somebody like Mason Appleton, who's very good in transition, very good defensively, and apparently a bit of an offensive fire spark, maybe see if he can handle these second line minutes that Connor has been struggling with recently, because I feel like Connor is definitely still a very valuable power play asset, and he can definitely score a lot of goals at even strength, but he needs guys who are more defensively aware and who can shovel that puck up the ice with relative efficiency. To be honest, I also think Dubois and Ehlers just need that extra level of support, especially somebody who's not afraid to grind in the corners and win those puck battles, because right now, Connor doesn't really engage like that. KFC is more of somebody who likes to poach goals, and I feel like that sort of play style is okay to a degree when you have guys who are as smart and gifted as Ehlers is. Obviously, we saw one of those great feeds on that one that uh, that saw Connor tap at home earlier, but defensively and in other situations where Dubois and Ehlers need some support in the corners, it's just not happening. And I feel like Connor just needs to get a different line set up where he's he's able to do this this poaching stuff, but he's not necessarily a detriment to his teammates. 
give him the more defensively minded, four checking minded, you know, cop and Lowry or something, and I feel like the results are going to improve rapidly. All that said, the Jets ended up surviving some of these issues. You know, the Appleton goal ended up being the game winner because Austin Matthews, right before the end of the uh, regulation period, ended up scoring a third goal for the Leafs. This one, another goal in the slot where he sort of found himself alone. You can't really leave him unmarked, but generally speaking, when the goalie is pulled against the Jets, it always results in a goal against. Winnipeg's six-on-five situational awareness is very bad. They don't pressure the puck carriers. They don't disrupt lanes. And a lot of these pucks end up getting through uh, a lot of sticks, deflections, or they just close the distance really quickly and wrist it past Hellebuck, which is very frustrating because Hellebuck, of course, was one of the best players on the night, certainly my first star. He frankly deserved all the stars on the night, but I know that that won't happen. Even still, the Jets eking out two points, you uh, you can't really complain about that. You can be frustrated with the results and the way that it happened, but I feel like overall, you know, the Jets ended up taking this first game of a series. I'm not going to complain too much. It's a big win. Thank you, Vezina Trophy winner Connor Hellebuck. I'd love to know what your thoughts about this game were and what you think the Jets should do for their defensive situation in the upcoming games, especially if Bolu is out. Be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For now, though, that will do it for tonight's episode. Before you sign off, don't forget to listen to Locked On NHL. Tuesdays on Locked On NHL, it's all about East Coast bias. As Locked On Sabres host Jody Biasi and Mike DiStefano of Locked On Leafs take a look at the biggest stories in the Eastern Conference. From Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin to the defending champion Lightning, the up-and-coming Rangers, and everyone in between, Locked On NHL is the place to be for Eastern Conference intel every Tuesday. Subscribe to Locked On NHL on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!